Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. Music is an integral part of any culture. Before a music artist makes it to the large venues, they must start with the smaller stages. Some of them are cinder block buildings with no windows. Others are more wide open, holding almost a thousand people. Meet you at the table to talk about some of these beautiful, humble beginnings. I'm Lainey. And I'm Laura Beth. And we are Steel Magnolias. The strength of steel with the grace of a magnolia. We are here to have uplifting conversations about life in the South. And we've got plenty of room at our table. So pull up a chair. Welcome back to the Steel Magnolias podcast. If you are new to our proverbial table, welcome. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Not sure how you found us, but it was probably from a friend. So be sure to thank that friend if you enjoy this episode today. And we do hope that you will enjoy it. I'm excited to talk about this subject because we are music lovers. Yes. And it is summertime and music just goes hand in hand with the season of summer. Does it totally, not? Totally. So there's festivals and concert tours being announced and road trips are being planned, hopefully. I'm and like, get your chacos ready. Yes. Your- <laughs> it just is the soundtrack of summer. <laughs> totally. No matter what kind of music you like, usually music is a part of your summer in some respect. So we're so pumped to talk about this topic and it took a lot of distilling down into what we've got today because the original title was going to be iconic southern venues and that opened a huge can of worms i had to text larbeth and say okay i have 35 so far on my list (laughs) which we typically try and stay around a top 10 kind of list yeah so that's obviously not going to work so i'm like we're gonna have to break it down Mm -hmm. do we want to do outdoor indoor nope still too big do we want to do yeah. Based on capacity. Yeah. Like, how are we breaking this down? Because this is a hard one. So we do have a breakdown, but it's going to be several volumes. It's not going to be, <laughs> we're not doing a series. It's not going to be like the next right, four right. consecutive episodes. Because we be may lose people music. that aren't music freaks like us. But. but we did decide that we would start with smaller venues that are indoors. We're just calling them music clubs. Because yeah. I think under guys... a thousand or a thousand ish. Yeah. But, I mean, that's even funny to say because a couple of them on my list are like maybe 50. Yeah, I have a couple of hundred ish. 300. Yeah. I mean, that's very different feel than a thousand. But we had to break it down some kind of way. For sure. If you are not an, like, 
how many people are in a room kind of person like I am. Like I have a hard time sizing up a room. Okay. And see, stop right now and think about your favorite venue in your town and go look up the capacity of it. Oh, that's a great idea. So you idea. have a so frame have, of reference yeah. when we're talking about these places of, oh my gosh, that's half the size of my favorite venue in town or whatever. Or maybe even your if you know about like your church sanctuary, if you know it there holds 500. There you go. Then, okay. Three, you know. Okay. Who knows what works for you, but. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Some of these we've been to and that's even more fun to Some of them we've share. been to. And then I have like at least three or four that are now on my bucket list. After doing my research. Oh. I'm like, and oh, one other this qualifier. is totally a place I want to go. These are all open still. Oh, yeah. Like We're not we, talking about ones that have closed down. Those are epic, too. There's some epic, yeah, especially when you think about historic theaters. That's another <laughs> one of our <laughs> slots. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, these are all open. So, I'm going to kick off right here in Nashville, Tennessee. You will hear a lot of Nashville because, as you know, this it's is Music City. City. I mean, there's a reason people say? come here to get discovered. It's because people come here and get discovered. <laughs> and producers the lo- everywhere. And they're sitting in on these writers' nights and right. small clubs. And so that really happens to people even today. So, the Exit Inn, it's literally written out, Exit slash Inn. The Exit Inn opened here in Nashville in 1971. It is a... So it came here when... Oh, we're the same. Our family's the same Uh age as the Exit Inn. (laughs) In Nashville. It is a capacity of 500. Standing room only. There's a couple of seats up in the upstairs section. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. If you are looking for a seat, you're out of luck because this is a very small venue jimmy buffett was the first show how iconic is that steve martin writes about the exit in in his book born standing up sting is wearing an exit in t-shirt which is black and white like yes it's, it's iconic very even. nashville iconic he's wearing it in the police's zenyatta mandata album artwork uh, so let me just, I mean, there's tens of thousands of performers that have played the exit in. So I'm just going to rattle off a bunch. Now, again, 500 seats, not even seats, 500, yeah, 500 people, people standing shoulder to shoulder. Etta James, Roseanne Cash, Johnny Cash, Linda Ronstadt, Talking Heads, Billy Joel, Muddy Waters, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Willie Nelson, Kings of Leon, Lucinda Williams, the Allman Brothers Band, R.E.M. Do I have your attention, please? Page the Elephant. <laughs> I mean, so fun. So we had a little drama 2019-2020 uh, with the building. Yes. There was drama of a buyout of the building. And then in April. As of- with everything in Nashville. But that's a whole nother. In April of 2021, the longtime operators of the Exit Inn, Chris and Talisha Cobb, they attempted to raise enough money to outbuy the development firm that was about to purchase the building. And they raised over $200,000, which is respectable, through their GoFundMe site. But the AJ Capital firm, which was the development firm, they closed on the property for six point four five million. Crazy. So they were a little Crazy. bit outbid there. Okay, now in AJ Capital Partners defense, they're they are a local development firm that relocated here from Chicago in twenty twenty. So they haven't been local very long. <laughs> local using that lightly. They are 
they are saying that they have no plans to develop on it because they actually were the ones that went and deemed it a historic landmark. Okay. And so that does show, okay, maybe it is going to be safe. Preserved. Yeah. Yeah. And their founder said the company's intent was never to turn the accident into a hotel or into any other use. So maybe it's safe. If you're in Nashville, even if you're not planning to grab tickets to a show at the accident, it's still worth driving by just to even appreciate the little corner it sits on. Yeah, even that little neighborhood's cool. Yeah. Elliston. Elliston Place. Yeah. yeah. That's a very fun area. Okay. Another huge cultural iconic city in the South for music is New Orleans. Oh, yeah. And there's a place called Tipitina's that I want to mention. Holds about 800 people. Have not visited this venue yet, but it's on my list now. So this venue, first of all, is um, na- it's, it's, it was a place, the name Tipitina comes from a song written by a um, very revered musician in New Orleans that they called Professor Longhair. He was a pianist. His true name is Henry Roland Bird. Okay. But anyhow, he is very revered rhythm and blues musician in that whole New Orleans scene. Cool. And um, Tipitina was a song that he wrote. So this, um, one of many songs that he wrote, he also wrote a song apparently a lot of people know called Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Okay. Anyway. So, and that's played, obviously, in um, Carnival. Sounds like that would be a <laughs> hit down there, for sure. Yes. So this man, um, this particular club was kind of established in 1977 as a neighborhood juke joint, but also as a place for him to perform in his final years. Wow. So it's survived lots of different changes of ownerships and a brief closing in 1984, but Mm. it's been open most of the time since 77. Um, Anyway, the list of artists that have played this venue is crazy. Um, Many of the beloved artists of New Orleans have played it, meaning Dr. John, the Neville Brothers, Cowboy Mouth, (laughs) Better Than Ezra, Uh lots of those names. But also um, national artists, Wilco, uh, Nine Inch Nails, Pearl Jam, Lenny Kravitz, Bonnie Raitt, James Brown, Nine Inch Nails. Oh, I said that already. Wow. Um, Wow. It goes on and on. Goo Goo Dolls, um, Willie Nelson, that's the list goes if on. If you've gotten to see any of those people at that venue, you are lucky. I mean, yeah. I just it's so sweet when you come across a show that later the band is so epic and you're like, I saw them. Especially if you had that feeling when you were there of like, of like these, they're this going is places. Yeah. This stage is already too small for them. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. That's so cool. Well, I'll mention the forty watt. Oh man. Okay. Athens, Georgia. Now, you'll hear some college towns mentioned, and we were talking even before we hit record. College towns are a breeding ground for good music because you got a good music-loving fan base there. That's right. You got a talent pool of young people that might have a little bit more expendable time on their hands (laughs) to practice, right? Uh, Just, you know, it just kind of is a nice environment for clubs, so... Though it's been in five different locations since opening in 1979, the 40 Watt is definitely an iconic club. I would say... 
And it's 500-ish? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I meant to mention that. 500 capacity. Band, this is the home base for countless, countless numbers of Athens bands, such yeah. as REM, the B-52s, Drive-By Truckers. And it's apparently got just incredible sound, easy access to, like, getting around the club, which is nice. Like, yeah. easy access to the bar, really friendly staff, you know, like, some couches. Dile- like, what more fun place to work if you're a student at Georgia than yeah, yeah. the 40 watt? But I can't imagine if I saw any of these bands in a 500 capacity oh my gosh to see rem nirvana snoop dog iggy pop flaming lips <laughs> sonic youth run dmc the black crows morning my morning jacket dirks bentley uh the killers john mayer i mean i just saw john the mayer killers in a 500 i mean i just saw so john epic. mayer at bridgestone arena here in nashville and paid a penny for it a pretty penny i mean uh kenny chesney Sugarland. I mean, all different genres. Wow. And I'm pretty sure the drive-by truckers do an annual homecoming show. Oh, that's there. Adorable. That's like even maybe like a three-night run or something. Okay, that's adorable. So. Well, I love it. Well, I'll just stick with the college town. Okay. Um, the Cat's Cradle. That's a cute name. It's about 750 um capacity at okay. that venue, and this is in Carborough, North Carolina, which is. Um, just about a mile from the North Carolina Chapel Hill campus. UNC Chapel Hill. Okay. Okay. So it has been that area that they call the Triangles, premier live music event uh, venue for uh, quite some time. Okay. So this one, you know, also allows both some established bands and some up and coming acts. Okay. To be seen on their stage. And it's some of the same ones we've already mentioned. Public Enemy, Nirvana, John Mayer, jo- Joan Baez, Iggy Pop are some of the ones that have played that. Okay. Si- so this what, venue. what that is telling me is that they're, those are the names of people that were willing Yes. To start somewhere small uh-huh. or that didn't have an overnight success. Like they had to do they their had to make work. the circles. Yeah. That's right. Make the, yeah. Hit those places yeah. for quite a while before yeah. they got They didn't the... have a Adele type turnaround of like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Arena tour, stadiums. Exactly. Here we go. Yeah. Exactly. That's cool. Well, I, I know I mentioned. I'm going to be in Nashville a bit. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about the one that if you know music venues that you're probably like, when is she going to talk about the Bluebird Cafe? So I'll go ahead and do that one. Oh, yes. So the Bluebird Cafe has... Talk about tiny. 90 seats. (laughs) It's the smallest one on my list. It opened in 1982. I always think I'm not at the right section of the street when I get to the Bluebird. It is not in in downtown Nashville. (laughs) It's in like the suburb of Nashville. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it's considered a suburb. Yeah, Uh, That Green Hills area is where I'm talking about. It's so small. I literally bought my wedding dress next door. It's on a strip (laughs) mall. Yes. (laughs) So anyway, but this is what's crazy. So it opened in 1982. And at the time, the the owner, she was, I think, dating a guitarist, so she wanted to, started to incorporate music into her restaurant. It was a restaurant that started saying, okay, we'll do music. Well, then she felt like she had, like, this two-headed creature, is her (laughs) words, because during the day, it was a ladies' lunch place. How funny. I don't, I didn't know this. 
I didn't either. But I mean, flowered tablecloths, tuna salad, like a lady's lunch spot. <laughs> and then mid-afternoon, they'd take the tablecloths off and bring sound systems in and have live music. People like Chet Adkins and Minnie Pearl would come for lunch. I'd never heard that before. So cute. Then it just sort of evolved into a live music spot. So lunch got dropped. It was just getting more and more popular in the evening for for the reason of the, the music needs that were surfacing. And even beyond that, they were doing multiple genres of music. But the one that seemed to be really special was the night they did this Writers in the Round. Yep. Okay. And so if you've, if you know the name Ken Burns, incredible filmmaker, he's featured the Bluebird in his country music, which was so excellent film. It, the Bluebird even has its own documentary called Bluebird, an accidental landmark that changed music history. So if you're interested in learning more about the Bluebird, there's that film as well. It is marked as the place that Garth Brooks and Taylor Swift were discovered. I'm Amazing. putting that in quotes, sharing their songs. And the intimacy of this place cannot be overstated. Here's what's crazy, too. Ticket prices. Because, oh my because you don't know who's... Well, you do know who's coming, but you don't know who might guest right. appear. They're like 15 bucks. Yeah, 10 to 15, I think. I think they 10 also to 15. have a like $10. They want you to buy to food eat. or alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of like a comedy club that right. wants you to at least have some sort of a tab going. But you you have to have reservations. And then even with your reservations, you're going to encounter first come, first a line at the door seated. To, for general admission seating. But it is seats. It's tables, like we've said. It's Or, you know, you're going to have a server getting you food. But, I mean, it's not unlikely for someone of the level of Steven Tyler of Aerosmith to sit in. Right. Just show up. Like, hey, I'm in town. I'm going to do a song. I'm doing some writing over a couple of streets over. I thought I'd sit in. Hop in and do a couple songs. That's insane. That would be so fun. So the Bluebird is certainly one that, even if you don't know the names, if you have... An evening in Nashville. Yeah. Get some tickets. Yeah, and they do. I mean, you have to try out to play it. So it's not like you're going to be sitting there and it's some awkward, like, oh, gosh, you no. know, 12-year-old no, yeah. that just got up there. Like, no, they're, these they're are legit. Professions. And Sunday nights are the big writer's night that and are the most mus- coveted. Yeah, the music is, um, ri- you know, it's written by you. It's not, they don't yes. let you do cover songs. That's yes, what I'm like. exactly. I'm not musical. I'm like, what's that called? Right. Original. Original. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So another one I wanted to mention is George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Oh, cool. So this is the oldest and longest running uh, live music venue in Arkansas. Sweet. It actually opened in the 30s as more of a um, like social event dance kind of place. Okay. And then live shows started in the 70s. Nice. So... Some of the artists who've played at George's Majestic Lounge are Leon Russell, the Little River Band, Delbert McClinton, Eddie Money, who I loved, Zach Brown Band, Sam Hunt. Those are I mean, awesome. on and on. But yeah, 700 people. So that'd be a fun one to that hit is, on your trip to Arkansas. That's so cool. 
Okay, over in Asheville, North Carolina, is the orange peel. Oh, man. I have had this one on my list just because it seems like artists that I follow when I get the email of like the tour (laughs) that they're on, this is where they're playing. A lot of times if they're not playing in Nashville, this is like the closest to us or Atlanta, you know. Asheville, North Carolina's orange peel barely got on my list because it's (laughs) 1,050. But I'm, yeah, it's We're including it. They call themselves a social aid and pleasure club. And I'll talk more on that in a little bit. But it is, again, a premier spot for live music. They've hosted the Commodores. Oh, my gosh. And other the Commodores. beloved acts of the 60s. Now, it became vacant for a time period. That's kind of been a thread in some of the ones we've talked yeah. about. Um, vacancy time periods or moving around. That's just part of being around for a long time rent goes up yeah neighborhoods change so a lot of these venues it's unique especially if they're in the original oh that's super rare space that they started but um they are sort of attributed to bringing in artists like the smashing pumpkins arcade fire bob dylan again 1050 capacity they are known for recognizing, you know, legendary performers before oh, yes. they're legendary performers. <laughs> Everyone from uh, Bob Dylan to Ziggy Marley to Wilco, they've performed all to sold out audiences. So in New Orleans, the term social aid and pleasure club describes organizations that provide comfort or care or just entertainment to its membership. So the Orange Peel's mission is to do all of that and more for the whole area of Western North Carolina. They host a number of benefits there. They do galas and weddings and birthday parties and even memorial services. So that's why they're holding on to that social aid and pleasure club title. But I thought that was, that sounds so vintage to me. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that was, that's one of the hot spots for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Austin, Texas. Woohoo. Also college town Huge in the sense, you know, like that's I know it's big it's a big bigger city, but there's a place called the Continental Club. That just sounds epic. And I want to go here. <laughs> this is now on my list as just well. What so you it's need. just 200 people, which that's pretty stinking small. Yeah, it is. It started as a swanky supper club. Okay. Um, and then it later became like a working man's blue collar bar. I'm just reading this I is love from their that. website. I love that. Where it opened at 7 a.m. and eventually grew to be one of the premier live music venues, presenting bands like Stevie Ray Vaughan and the Double Troubles from there, um, Paul Ray and the Cobras, and many more back in the late 70s and through the early 80s. And then from like 83 to 87, it became a hotbed for new wave punk and rock and roll bands like social distortion oh my gosh and one of my favorites in the 80s the replacements oh wow so um anyhow this place is still hopping they've had robert plant has played this what? stage i just think like Half i can't imagine Led zeppelin that's seeing crazy him on a stage of 200 no but there's so much good music in austin that could be its own episode sometime talking about austin city limits and mm-hmm. just all the goodness that comes out of that whole town but the continental club add that to i your... love it austin and nashville so much get compared to one another they do. so i'm glad they you do. had an austin venue to mention 
All right, shifting back to New Orleans briefly, I would love to mention Preservation Hall in New Orleans, capacity 100. That place sounds amazing. It does. So founded in 1961, this is one of New Orleans' oldest venues. The story of Preservation Hall, though, dates back to the 50s, and I I absolutely love this. It started as a way to preserve the legacy of jazz. So a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now, when they were founded, probably weren't thinking, this is going to be talked about one day, right? Right. Well, Preservation Hall kind of started as a place to make sure... Not necessarily that Preservation Hall was exactly was mentioned, but they wanted to restore or not restore. They wanted to preserve the music of jazz because it was a little bit getting overshadowed by the teenage Elvis craze happening and the Beatles. And there was just a lot of overshadowing of jazz. And so there was a very small art gallery on Peter Street, St. Peter Street, excuse me, in New Orleans, which is in the French Quarter. And upon opening the gallery, the proprietor, Larry Bornstein, he founded it and this gallery, and that basically started taking all his time. And then he realized, I'm not going to have time to go into jazz concerts anymore. I've got this gallery I'm running and I love jazz. And so he started to invite the musicians to have rehearsals over in his gallery so he could at least be hearing jazz. So then he eventually moved his gallery to a nearby building because the jam sessions are growing, right? So it's almost like they're so good that they're just jamming and this could be, this is as good as they're going to be on stage, right? Later that evening or the following day. So he moves his gallery and about that time, a young couple on an extended honeymoon comes through town and the Jaffies, and they began to work with him and ownership of the preservation hall began, which was very unique in that it was a racially integrated place. Yes. Okay. The bands were integrated. The um, patrons were integrated. At a time when that was very unusual. No, this is like Jim Crow era of the South. But that's what they were most familiar with. They're from Pennsylvania, Sandra and Alan Jaffe. And so in 1963, Alan Jaffe, he organized the preservation hall jazz band okay so they're so good like just let's just make a band out of all these sort of session players that we've got around here and they had a string of performances in the midwest and he he is on record as saying like they're gonna be a hit and true to his estimation the tour was a success interest in the band began to bubble not just around new orleans but is all all the way into other countries and following the decades of the band traveling they're still with us today they have played with the grateful dead they've played for the king of thailand all kinds of open lots of opportunities for this band now alan jaffe had an untimely passing in 1987 but the preservation hall and the preservation jazz band like I said, they they are continuing on. They now operate under Jaffe's second son, Benjamin. So you can still go hear great music. Good old New Orleans jazz. The band plays every Tuesday night. There's there's music 
every night of the okay. week. But this band. This band, this jazz hall band, the Preservation Hall Jazz Band, they play every Tuesday night. But I will say they are going on tour with Josh Groban this summer. <gasps> fun so they're opening for him so they're probably going to be gone a lot of the summer dates so if you're really banking on seeing them make sure to check their tour dates with josh groban because i don't know how much they're going to be out tickets don't miss the opener absolutely he's coming here so i kind of wanted to see it for that sake but they have so many great photos black and white old photos that are on their website I would highly encourage people to go check it out because I had so much fun looking at old photos. I loved the way the people were dressed. I know. The musicians. I know. Back when it was, yeah. It was just, everything looks so classy, but they also look very hot. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's New you Orleans, know for goodness the sakes. humidity is getting to them. But yeah, I mean, what an incredible place. Well, when we were doing the research for this podcast, that was also on my list. And I was putting in my notes, you know, what I wanted to say for each place. And when I came to Preservation Hall, I put, just look at website. Because there was so much, I didn't even know what to include. Yeah, the history is pretty lengthy. So I hope I did an okay job summarizing that for you guys. But yeah, great job. Iconic for sure. On a number of levels. Okay, I'm going tiny next. Okay, well, that's pretty tiny. It was 100. You're going smaller than I'm going half of that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. This place we've actually seen. Okay, yeah. Red's Lounge in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Oh, my gosh. If you, if if we weren't doing a slow roll through town, we would have missed it. it. We actually did miss it. Let's be honest. When I said in the um, intro that some of these are cinder block. Mm-hmm. places with no windows this is what i was talking about yeah this place is i mean there's no website if you're going to clarksdale <laughs> you'll just have to ask around uh no you can look it up i think TripAdvisor or something you can find things about it but there's no website no this place was uh, it's owned and was started by a man um named red obviously red payden he is often behind the bar or tending the smoker, which is outside on the porch. Do you remember that? I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I didn't want to interrupt you. But I was about to say, imagine a huge smoker. That covered pretty much, pretty the, much entire the entire porch. front facade. There's of, no windows. There's yeah. nothing lovely about this place. But it is iconic blues Yes, in the middle of the The home Delta. of the blues. Yeah. yeah. So Kingfish, who we've talked about on um, our blues episode before, has played here. Lots of um, blues names, many of which I don't know. I, I and I know some blues names, but right. those these you know, Watermelon Slim, Luscious Spiller, Mark Muleman Massey, Robert Bilbo Walker, um, have all played this venue. So if you're into the blues, this might be a pilgrimage for you. There's not a lot of places that are 50 seats that have live music happening, <laughs> With right? With the owner at the smoker out front <laughs> or behind the bar. Yeah. That, that's, that alone should oh, draw you in. And it's like, you could, there's like red Christmas lights because it's red. So there's yeah. like red Christmas lights all hanging on the walls. But it's just very, very casual. Yeah. And we didn't, we, we got to go we buy saw it, it. But we had... Larbus son Jacob with us. And it's more of a nightclub. And it is a nightclub. I so, mean, and, you know, it's in an area where just being a couple girls, I don't know that we would want to go alone. Yeah, safety first. But, um, but certainly not with a four-year-old. So 
It is. But it would be so fun to hear music there. It's just, yeah. It's just one of those lovely places that I hope stays intact because you just you just know there's if the walls could talk right. There was one that used to be there in that area that's not open anymore called Poe Monkeys. I don't think it's open anymore. Okay, but um, Reds is Reds is still around. Well, the last one on my list is the Station Inn. Oh, another here Nashville in, icon. here in Nashville. Capacity is about one fifty. So in 1974, the Station Inn was opened by a group of six bluegrass pickers and singers. It has been in two locations, so it's at its second location where it stands today. But it's been at this one for a long time. So it's been owned by J.T. Gray since 1981. He actually died last year at age 75. The station in mourned that, so it, he's he yeah. was deeply mourned in our city. Uh, the station in lives on though. J.T. Gray was a musician raised in Corinth, Mississippi, which is just over the Tennessee border here, which in- we've talked about when we talked about slug burgers. Yes, <laughs> that's <laughs> absolutely Corinth, Mississippi keeps coming up. <laughs> He moved here in the 70s, and he transformed the club to kind of a coffee house sort of vibe. It was near Nashville's Vanderbilt University, so that definitely works to have a coffee house kind of vibe near a near a college campus. But the owners themselves, they were the house band, okay? Mm-hmm. Built-in entertainment. That's perfect. They changed hands a couple of times, and it has been in our 12th Avenue South. We call it the Gulch area. Uh, Before it was the Gulch. Yeah, it was there long before it was called the Gulch. For sure. It moved there in 1978. (laughs) (laughs) So many of the world's, I mean, successful musicians have played the station in, including Bill Monroe Alan Jackson, Dirks Bentley, Vince Gill, Allison Krauss, John Prine. The venue's been around for so long and so many generations that there are people that, uh, like it's a generational kind of trip to, yeah. to bring um, your loved ones through. There is sort of a same vibe as the bluebird, like never know who might sit That's in right. on a session or just hop up on stage. Some of the people that were known to have taken the stage before they were big names include Chris Stapleton, the Old Crow Medicine Show. They were like a house band there for a very long so time. Cute. Dirk Bentley, all of them had a household name there for a long run in a venue of 150 people. So I've been here a few times, and even sometimes you're just... One time you and I were there together... And I can't remember who the woman that was playing. She was just a, a player behind the band. But she was really good. She's and then the it came player. out later that she yeah. played with several different well-known artists. Yeah. yeah. And that happens. These are like session players or background singers or yeah. the band. That rub of... shoulders with all the Nashville big names. Yeah. So that's really fun to me, too. Jenny Lynn was her name. Okay. Yeah. If you want to look her up too, she's. <laughs> I mean, all of these, all of the people that you see there, you're like they could have their own their own live recording happening yeah. right now. Yeah, and it would be a hit. And they might actually have that. True. Like that's that's true. another thing that's funny is you know she could be like oh yeah and I have five CDs if you're interested. That's true. I'm like who are you? Yeah, yeah. That's true. 
Uh, well, the last one I had on my list uh, was the Charleston Music Hall. Charleston, South Carolina is 965, so knock it on a thousand okay. people. But it's steeped in history. Now, it didn't start as a music hall. It started, it's one of the oldest buildings on the block that it's on. It was a um, tower depot. It was built as a passenger station of the South Carolina Railroad. And then later, after B, it was a passenger depot, and then it closed down. It's so wild to think about, like, that was all pre-Civil War. Oh, my and gosh. Then, <laughs> following the yeah. Civil War, it became the Charleston Bagging Manufacturing Company, where they made woven fiber bags. Okay. Um, so it didn't become a music venue until later. Okay. Um in 1995, the Bennett Hofford Company facilitated the hall's amazing transformation into this arts venue. Oh, I bet it's glorious. And, um, but I just wanted to mention it because it's even been, um, David Byrne has played here, Joan Baez has played here, but one of our Nashville favorites, the renowned bluegrass musician Ricky Skaggs. Yeah! He won a Grammy for a live album that was recorded at this venue. Oh, cool! In 2003. So, wow. um, if you're a Ricky Skaggs fan, you may have already uh, heard music from the Charleston Music Hall, whether you knew that's where it was or not. Well, that's cool because he is, being a bluegrass picker, he had his pick of... <laughs> Lots of other venues, venues even some could. we've discussed already. So that's very interesting. He must really like something about something the look or the sound mm-hmm. of the Charleston Music Hall. So super cool. Maybe on your next Charleston trip, you can take a peek and I see who's going to be there. We love Charleston. We had some honorable mentions that we, we could did. not I mean, say. You just got to say them, even if they just get name and a little nod. The Burl in Lexington, Kentucky. So it was originally um, built in 1926. I don't guess I need to go into all of the details of that, but it holds about 300. Um, Another honorable mention is the Bradfordville Blues Club in Tallahassee. It's one of these cinder block juke joints, um, but has had some very well-known blues artists. So there's another honorable mention. The Zanzibar Theater in Louisville holds about 350. Um, that's one we didn't want to not mention. Another college town of Oxford, Mississippi has Proud Larry's. About 300 people. Now that sounds like a spring break spot to me. Proud Proud Larry's, right? (laughs) Well, it's had Jason Isbell, Kingfish, Muddy Magnolias. Okay. Um, some of those fun names. So that's just a few honorable mentions that we wanted to honor time, but... Okay. Give them a nod. So, y'all, what did we miss? There's somebody out you there knows. going. What? You didn't include so-and-so did their live recording. It. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. Message us through Instagram at Steel Magnolias Podcast or jump on our website, steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. Let us know what we missed. But we do know that we still have some outdoor venues. We still have some bigger capacity venues. We still have... Former dance halls. I mean, there's lots we can go into. It had to be open today under a thousand (laughs) thousand capacity or under. And we put a qualifier that somebody significant had to kind of play through there. Maybe even even better if they were like a nobody when they played there, you know. That's so fun. Well. So that was such a good, fun episode. I'm so charged up to talk about the other sort of 
categories that we put together, but we'll, you'll have to wait on that. So until next time, we hope you guys have a great week. And with that, peace be with you. And also with y'all. <laughs> <laughs>